foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. Hi, this is Katie Bowman, and it is time for the Katie Says Movement Mailbag. It's a quick listen where I answer questions you've submitted. Join me and my co-host, Danny Hammett. As we talk while you walk. So grab your headphones, head out the door. This should be good for like a mile, don't you think? I think so. All right, let's do it. Okay, this is me, Danny, and I'm going to dig my hand into the mailbag. And here we go. This one is from Jesse. Hi, Katie and Danny. My name is Jesse Bushnell, and um, I've listened to almost all of your podcasts together. And I'm working on listening to more of Katie's books. Um, and I listen to you guys on my evening walk. And so I've just been really inspired by all the topics you guys discuss. And um, I'm considering putting our kitchen table in the garage and bringing out our uh, coffee table to sit at and just try out sitting on the ground for our meals for a, for a month is what I'm going thinking about proposing to my husband. So I just wanted to know a little bit more on why, Katie, why you live in a cut, like a sort of furniture-free house. Why do you sit on the floor and eat your meals there? Is it because, I know sitting isn't bad, but it's the amount of sitting that we do. So are you trying to break up sitting in a chair with sitting in different ways so that your body isn't casted by sitting in only one way? Um, if there's a blog post on this, I'd love to read it. I just haven't been able to come across it. So I'd love for you guys to discuss that if you are able to. So anyways, thanks for all that both of you do. And um, I will keep listening. Thanks again. I feel like Jesse already knows the answer. I feel like Jesse is a very good student and she kind of gets it. She might just need some points to present to the husband, well, perhaps. I don't know. 
Well, I, I mean, I, I, I am unfortunately not able to intervene in people's marriages, but here's why I do it. Um, we have a, you know, quote, furniture free house, and there are blog posts on it. I think like furniture free freak might be that name of the latest one. <laughs> um, but the benefits for us of furniture free are in the moment of one, we aren't adding, like if you think of like position, there's no bad positions, just the frequency of, of a particular position can get out of hand. So in my life, in the modern world, there is a high frequency of like a sit in a chair, a traditional chair position. So I don't feel the need to add to it in my home. So I try to make my home a place where you can get almost zero of that type of sitting. So sitting just a category. I prefer to think of positioning in terms of geometry, like the orientation of all of your bones relative to each other and how your your bones and joints are configured. So sitting on the floor, one, it allows our non-active parts of the day, because you do have to sit, sitting on the floor, it, it creates a much, a much more natural set of loads than sitting in a chair. So we do it just because we still like to sit, we still have to eat our food, but I don't feel the need to add any more chair time into our family's life. That goes for the table in the kitchen, it goes for the couch and the chairs in the living room. Then there's also the benefit of, so, so whatever position you are assuming while you are on the floor if you look at it, it looks very similar to what people do for exercise, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can think of like six different ways you can sit on the floor, chances are those are six like yoga poses or stretching class poses, you know, sit with your legs out in a V, sit with your legs out forward, sit with your legs crossed. Like those are exercises if you pay for it and go to class. Why aren't they exercises if you're doing that while you eat your dinner? It's For us, it's a very natural inexpensive stack your life kind of mentality of get a fitting movement into your life. The other benefit is not just the position, but getting down and up, right? Mm -hmm. So in addition to positions being of different value, movement is really, you know, key to life. And so you don't really use your ankles and your knees and your hips to their full extent when your resting point stops 12 inches from where, you know, your butt, if you figure like where my butt is and then where my butt goes to a chair, that's a certain trajectory that I follow. But if I were to go all the way to the floor, that would require more joint articulation, more muscular use, and it would also be different joint articulation and different muscle use. So that's why we do it. Full stop. Mic drop. Walk away. Awesome. (laughs) Who's Mike? Hashtag. Stack your life. (laughs) Exactly. Stack your life. Okay. The next one, question two, is from Amy. I will read Amy's question. Hi, Katie and Danny. I love your podcast, and I've been incorporating a lot more squats into my day, playing with my toddler, getting things out of low cabinets, and sometimes working on my computer. My question is, what is the best squat posture to use if I can't yet get my heels on the floor with my feet straight? and just slightly wider than my hips without tipping over backward. I can squat with that foot position on the balls of my feet with the weight toward the inside to avoid foot schmear. Or I can move my feet wider, pointing out, must mean pointing your toes out, and keep my heels Mm. on the ground. I can hold the latter posture longer, 
but I assume it's better to do the former for better alignment and ankle strengthening. Is more calf stretches the key to getting my feet on the ground? Thanks, Amy. Okay, so a few questions there. One blanket statement is there's not one squat that's really more nutritious than the other. The reason I give squat guy, so there's like squat the behavior. She's done really well in incorporating squats into our life. I think a lot of listeners are going, I got to, going furniture free also, you know, is one way to, to use your squatting parts more often. Squats in nature, squats done in the context of life are a category and vary widely because you're reaching for stuff, right? You're, you're, you're moving in your squat. Your squat is not one thing. Mm-hmm. When you're doing a squat as a corrective exercise, so the squats that I lay out in Move Your DNA, so like there's the squatting chapter in Move Your DNA, the reason there are parameters for those squats is that is a training squat. That is a squat where you are creating a set of loads to try to create a new shape out of your body. In the beginning of this section of Move Your DNA, I ask people, squat however you can. Get down however you can. And a lot of people will find that they can get down by turning their toes way out or opening their knees or leaning way forward or holding onto something. So that gives you information about yourself. The position that you can squat in, if you watched how your parts were moving. And so this is really integral, I think, to the 52 weeks course. This is, are you in 52 weeks? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was this last lesson that I did. It's almost at the end of the year where we're like, the, the reason... My idea of corrective exercise is not to do modified exercise for the sake of doing exercise. I create corrective exercises with the explicit intention to create loads that change the shape of your body. So they're not really, they're not easily attainable without a ton of bolstering. And yes, you let pieces of it go, but to get back on track to answer her question, it would be one Keep using the squats in the way that you're doing. There's no right or wrong way. But when you set aside practice time for squatting, you want to not really forsake any of those alignment at at the beginning. Like, let's say that you're going, I'm going to squat for like the next five minutes or 10 minutes, whatever you've set aside for like this training exercise. You are going to squat without letting any of the parameters go. And then you'll find very quickly that the amount that you can squat is very small. That's true for almost everybody. It's like, okay. You mean just like a resting, hanging out kind of? You're just like, you're going to start, you know, with your feet at a certain position, your toes at a particular position, and you're you're going to move in a particular way. And as you get down in your squat, you're going to be like, okay, well, I, I'm going to fall backwards if I don't continue to do it this way. So then we start adding things, right? Like, well, if I widen my knees a little bit more, that would be easier. Or if I turn my feet out a little bit more, that would be easier. Before you make it easier, I want you to see how it is mm. for you. Because that is, that's information for you about how you can move and how you can't. And so when you turn your foot out, what you're doing to accomplish a squat is saying, well, I don't have the range of motion right now in my lower leg to do it. So I will remove the participation of my lower leg from this squatting bout. What you're also saying, but what you don't realize is, and then therefore I will strengthen this current shape of my body. And when you're living, you're going to have to do that because you're going to be paralyzed. Like 
if you don't have the range of motions to currently move in, you can't move. Yeah, you'd just be walking around like a robot. That's that's the defining characteristic yeah. of your range of motion, sure. right? So so I think, one, you have to recognize what it is. And two, then you would do smaller squats within the ranges of motion that you do have. So like on the new pelvic floor DVD, I added the chair squat. Or if you are following our social media, you can find the Maui squat YouTube video. Yeah. Right. And so that is a way of going, well... Is your range of motion with straight feet, feet pelvis width apart, you know, moving from the backside of your body as opposed to the front, which you would use the shin as a marker, are you able to get down to just a chair height? And if the answer is no, then that's how you practice the squat during your squat exercise session. So then the next part that she's asking is like, well, then what are the mobilizing exercises that would help me? Calf stretch. I mean, it's everything that is in move your DNA in the squat section, right? You have calf Mm -hmm. stretch, capital C, capital S, and then you have the soleus stretch, which are also in that squat prep section. There is no, there is no, like the calf stretch in the classic calf stretch, foot up on the half dome, stepping forward with your other foot. That doesn't, that's more of a gait. The way you would use your calves in flat overground gait. When you go to squat, it's actually your soleus which is your deeper calf muscle that's going to hinder the amount of dorsiflexion for a squat. So it would be the other calf stretch, the soleus stretch, which you can find in a whole body barefoot. It's it's everything, right? It's it's the minimal footwear, the amount of time you're spending in that, hips breaking mm-hmm. up your freeing, don't break up, yeah. free up here, your thighs from your hips. So I don't think there's any one. It's it's all of the micronutrients that are being used throughout the day to support greater range of motion, even of your upper spine. Like you wouldn't think of the tension in your shoulders as something limiting or the strength of your back limiting your squat, but squat is a whole body activity. Any part of you that's not on board with holding its own weight is going to have to be compensated for. And that's often why we kind of do these small slide changes in geometry. So that was really like the people have already walked two miles now. I apologize for the drone of my voice. (laughs) Thanks. That was a great question, Amy. Thanks. It was good. I guess it's always good to start with knowing your boundaries. Exactly. And we'll link to the YouTube video and the DVD link in the show notes on this one. You're so good. All right. Final question mm-hmm. today. Let's reach on in. Is from Fanny. Oh, what a great name. Fanny. I think Fanny is the best name in the so world. So cute. All right, Fanny. This is from Fanny. Just listened to your latest podcast, number 37. That was the winter, moving through the winter podcast. Just listen to your latest podcast, 37, while walking in the woods with a fresh December wind blowing. Oh, my gosh. She's like an A student. Found out also about... She the- was an A student <laughs> when she showed up with her name, Fanny. I was like, you win, Fanny. You were already yeah, win. You didn't even have to talk, but it's okay. Okay. Found out also about the Norwegian term, Freiluftsliv. Oh, gosh. Oh, I hope come I on. You live for that kind I of hope submission. I I, yeah, but Did I- you call? I think you pretty much called submissions <laughs> just so that you can speak in foreign terms. I love it. You know me so well. Freiluftsliv, or the direct experience in the natural world. There you go, oh, everybody. Oh, I love that. Now you have Hygge and Freiluftsliv. Okay. Can you spell that? Yeah, it's F-R-I-L-U-F-T-S-L-I-V. So if I am mangling that, please write me and give me the phonetic pronunciation. And if our audio sound engineer is amazing, which she is, maybe she could even find someone saying that online and then insert it right now so people could hear all the ways, all the versions. That would be great. That would be so good. Or he can tell you how to cook the little fishes in the meatballs. 
Friluftsliv. 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 Okay, so here is her actual question, now that we've just dilly-dallied around here. I was wondering if you had more tips to motivate older kids to go outside and move. I'm getting broke by tipping them to stack firewood. <laughs> All right, I need to know this, too, because I don't have the little wee ones that I can say, hey, let's do this fun game of stacking the wood. Gosh. Got any... Or do we need to wait till your kids get away? Well, right. I mean, that's okay. So my perspective is always from Uh, the smaller kids. So, you know, there's, they're, they're going to become their own people with their own preferences. I'm not a super big fan of like my house, my rules type of parenting having come from that. So one is I have absolutely no experience, but it was really interesting you know, I did the, a move nat retreat with Irwan, and there was a guy there who was asking that same question, and he was, and this is not going to be a solution. I just found it interesting, and it was a, a leaping off point of thought for me. He was like, I can't get my kids to be, I'm totally interested in, you know, an exercise, a natural movement exercise, and I'm in, and I love it, and I go out, and I do it, but I can't get my kids to want to do it. And Irwan's question, right, because I feel like, all great teachers don't really have answers. They have questions so that you can begin to think through things in a different way yourself was how much time do you spend with your kids? And not to say that this is an issue, but just for, cause I get this question from a lot of people and he was like, well, you know, he goes to work. The amount of time that he's actually modeling and spending time with his kids was really small compare you know compared to all the time possible and then Mm -hmm. i think this also is another symptom of the non-tribal way that we live where the old you know where the models for the children become really limited to maybe two parents there's not a lot of other adults like let me let me jump off to a different place we have family friends and their parents are not really movers. They're, they've become exercisers and they're trying to do it, but they're not, they haven't modeled movement for their kids the entire time. And so when they start doing movement, it's usually with the enthusiasm of someone who's just found it, which I know from experience, because there's a lot of Katie says listeners out there can be really irritating to a family. I get a lot of irritate, like they're not irritating They're not Mm -hmm. irritated emails. They're like my spouse. If they say, if you say Katie says one more time, like I'm going to (laughs) leave. So what happens is you're, when your enthusiasm is bubbling over, maybe it comes across as like, it's so different than where you came from. I think kids need time to adjust. So ideas are just move more as a family. It doesn't, it doesn't always have to be chores. One thing that we have done in our family is we have just started I mean, when we take a vacation, we wouldn't even consider now taking a vacation in a place that would not allow us a movement-based day where that wasn't an issue. Before, we were trying to figure out how to get kids. And our kids aren't super excited to move. They have that resistance of like, I don't want to, I don't want to. But it's wasn't that just kind of the natural anybody wants to conserve anything? I mean, exactly. It's a natural state. It's like work. And so when we were like, hey, guys, it's time to go for a walk, you know, thumbs down because it's like I'm doing this other thing, which is amazing or cool. But, you know, our kids don't watch a lot of TV. We don't have TV, but, you know, they go over to their cousin's house or wherever. 
where they get more than what's usual, it's like a detox period. Like there is, there is for our kids at least, you know, a five to 10 minute screaming detox fit. And it's like, wow, you only watched like 90 minutes of TV an entire week, but giving it to you, it was like they're having this full emotional response to having been cut off. I kind of did that when the Kimmy Schmidt season was over. But the, well, I don't I don't even know what that is. Oh is that another um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? It's a Netflix series. Oh. It's, it's like the best. But anyway, yes, yeah, I cried. I screamed. Yeah, like you're you you are being cut off of something. Well, I think of stillness as being something that you are being cut off of. So even though to us it's like, why don't you want to start moving? To them, it's like being. But I'm being. I'm on this path of stillness. So the resistance a lot of times for us as parents is like, oh, we know we want to do it, but do we want to pay the price of all the work it's going to take over the next 20 to 120 minutes of like whining and resistance? And the answer for us always became yes, because we had found that the continuing stillness brought with it the exact same amount of whining and resistance in general right like if you're just this is totally true. it's like it, I don't, you just have to you just have to see that you're going to spend exactly the same amount of energy parenting so doing it outside on the move is just a way we have found a way better place to deal with the whining and resistance because people are getting what they need and it turns out whining yep. and resistance is just a part of life the end I have older kids and they love nature school but every day when they get hauled to nature school they complain about going. Yeah. And when I pick them up, they're like, that was the best day ever. Yeah. And then the next week, I don't want to go. And I pick them up, the best day ever. It's just, it is what it is. I think that's just kind of, I mean, I have to motivate myself exactly. to get out and move. And for my older kids, they only will go out and move aside from nature school if I'm with them. But that's kind of a win-win because I'm with them. Right. And I think that that's, I mean, that's what you wanted, right? Movement and family time, which doesn't mean that you can't get movement on your own time. And I think it helps for adults to identify where they themselves are acting similar to their children with respect to doing something that they know is good for them, but they don't want to do. So I have just found relaxation to come with just the awareness of no one likes change. (laughs) We don't like change. We don't like to have to do more work than we anticipated or are currently doing. And that is probably a prime thing keeping you from the life that you'd like to be having right now. Mm-hmm. The end. That is true. I hope you've walked at least good. a mile, everyone. A mile and a half, maybe. Woohoo! All right. Well, that is all for today. Thanks for listening to the Katie Says Movement Mailbag. And everybody, thanks for your questions. We'll get to them as much as we can. But if you're not getting your question answered quickly enough, you know, keep asking and reading. Go to nutritiousmovement.com because that is just a potpourri, a smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. A smorgasbord. Of resources. Don't know where to start? Click on the button that says, I don't know where to start. You can look up, you know, questions by the, the keywords and get to whatever podcasts and blog posts and books and anything that you need. So keep going there, but we'll try and get to your question as soon as we can. Thanks for listening.
Is there actually a button that says, don't know where to start? <laughs> Isn't there something that says, oh, oh overwhelmed or... <laughs> Maybe. Just, I was just making sure, I, literal, I, before people start searching for the yes, little button that no. says that, I do not I, think that there's a button. Go, go to the left-hand side of the webpage, and there should be something there that will get you started. Yes. Maybe it says getting started. It's probably that. It's a little better. Yeah. We don't know anything, and we don't, frankly, have the energy to go check. We're, too, we're just going to mm, keep no. not knowing. All right. Thanks, everyone, for great questions. I appreciate them. Keep them coming. Bye-bye. Bye. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. 